1: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And today we are talking about bronies, which are male fans of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic.
3: Yep. I was, I was a, a My Little Pony fan growing up, although I don't think I could call myself a brony considering I was like the target audience. Yeah, you'd be a sister. Yeah. In today's
2: terms. Uh, this was actually a conversation too that got started over on the Stuff I've Never Told You Facebook page because there was news that came out a couple months ago about a boy at a school who was being bullied for bringing a My Little Pony lunchbox. Mm -hmm. And the school's response to him was, well, stop bringing the lunchbox. Yeah. Yeah. And and so I posted that on our Facebook page and we heard from some moms of bronies. And just to kick things off, wanted to share a note from Justine, who also sent along a photo of her 10-year-old brony with one of his My Little Ponies. And it's very cute. But she writes, We haven't raised our kids with a lot of gender stereotyping. I honestly don't think his love of My Little Pony is indicative of his sexuality. Not that that would bother me. I just think he's sort of oblivious to the misogyny in our culture at large. He doesn't think girls are less than. I'm curious to see how that plays out as he enters the teenage years, but I wonder if his generation really hasn't been as acculturated to sexism as ours. I can't fathom it, but it might be true. We saw another brony in the Build-A-Bear in Oklahoma City on March 8th of this year. My son and the boy, total strangers, just gave each other high fives over their love (laughs) of My Little Pony. I'm very proud, but also think the embrace of feminine culture by probably straight tween boys is pretty amazing and bizarre. We might be on the cusp of a tipping point. Toward real gender equality. Wow. Yeah. That's, so we,
3: that's heavy. We had to do a podcast, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, like the the end of her letter talking about uh, you know boys liking traditionally girl things, and are we going? Are we heading towards gender equality? It was thoughts like that that just gave me like you know warm fuzzy feelings when I was reading about this. It it just put stars in my eyes as I was reading about bronies because I just thought, oh my gosh. Here are young boys all the way through, you know, men in their thirties and maybe even beyond who are like cool with something that's traditionally feminine. Like this is anti-fem phobia. This is an embrace of all things like pink and rainbowy and um, you know, then I I read some more and and there are some dark parts of bronyism, but really it's not the majority. No, not at all. Um, but for listeners who are <laughs> like, what?
2: Yeah. Who are scratching their heads, wondering what on earth we're talking about. Let's back up for a moment and just talk about my little pony, because I have a feeling for a lot of women listening. This is, these, these are very familiar toys. I know that my older sister had a stable of my little ponies. Somehow I never got my little ponies. Hmm. I don't I I think I probably just got them handed down from her, but they launched in 1981 originally as My Pretty Pony and then became My Little Pony in 1983.
3: Yeah, My Pretty Pony looks a lot um sadder. Then my, my, my little ponies, I Aww. feel like it's, she's kind of like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm my pretty pony. And then my little pony came out. Uh, but I had a million of them. Yeah. And do you remember the ones that, like, if you got the, the flank wet or like, it was like heat or like water or whatever, the, the, the pattern would come out. I do remember those. Um, I also just remember, Asking my
2: sister to play with them. She was pretty proprietary over her ponies. But every now and then, she would let me brush their tails. And for some reason, I really enjoyed (laughs) using those tiny little plastic brushes (laughs) to comb
3: fake horse tails. Childhood is bizarre, Caroline. So bizarre and amazing, But yeah, so this is all in the 80s. This is, you know, when Kristen and I, back when Kristen and I were growing up. But, um, the whole thing was rebooted back in 2010 with an emphasis on My Little Pony's Elements of Harmony. Yeah, that's why it's called My Little Pony Friendship is
2: Magic. And this was essentially launched as a partnership between Hasbro, which is the toy company that manufactures My Little Ponies, and the TV show, The Hub, it's like a kid's channel, a la Nickelodeon, that's also owned by Discovery Communications. And so the elements of Harmony that it emphasizes are generosity, loyalty, honesty, kindness,
3: laughter,
2: and magic. Magic!
3: Magic! Um, so, okay, let's look at the, the six stars of the show. We've got Twilight Sparkle, whose power is magic. Rainbow Dash symbolizes loyalty. Applejack, with the, with the Texas accent, is honesty. Pinkie Pie, laughter. Fluttershy is kindness. And Rarity, the unicorn, who ties it all together with generosity.
2: Yeah, and they're referred to as the main six, and that's M-A-N-E six. I tell you what folks, if you like horse puns, then you need to watch My Little Pony because all of their pony speak is ponyfied. So instead of saying, for instance, everybody, you would say every pony. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, listeners, we're not just going to go on and on and on about My Little Pony. There is a point, a, a greater point to this whole conversation. But just for a, a couple more details about this because explaining the show really drives home to how Little girl oriented. It really is. Oh, yeah. And so, so My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is set in the town of Ponyville in the land of Equestria, and it's ruled over by alicorn sisters, princesses Celestia and Luna. And in case you're wondering, because I was, an alicorn is a unicorn Pegasus combo. So there is just a lot of fanciful, magical, Pro-friendship, fun, lots of sparkle, glitter, pink. Very traditionally girly stuff. Yeah, and so when Hasbro slash The Hub launched this new show in 2010, obviously they were selling this TV product to girls, hoping they would go and buy My Little Ponies. But something happened where all of a sudden a lot of guys started watching it.
3: Yeah, it's kind of like how the Powerpuff Girls when that cartoon was around, it also appealed to guys. My my first high school boyfriend was like a huge Powerpuff Girls fan. He even had a favorite. I couldn't tell you which one it what which one it is. But you know, there there are a lot of cartoons around nowadays that are really even though they're four kids, they're also four adults. You know, you have things like SpongeBob or Adventure Time that are definitely, I mean, they're very cartoony and silly, but they are very enjoyable for grownups. And so what started happening very quickly after My Little Pony rebooted in 2010, you start to see a lot of young men being drawn to it. And not only are they drawn to it, but they they start forming these really rapidly growing communities.
2: And not so surprisingly, as has happened with a lot of these subcultures that have popped up in more recent years, they found each other on the Internet. And In the case of bronies, they specifically found each other on a message board called 4chan. And soon after My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, launched, uh, there was a blog that was cross-posted onto 4chan by this animation critic named Amid Amidi, who was essentially decrying the demise of what he called creator-driven animation and name-checked My Little Pony, along with a lot of other shows, as being part of the sign of sort of the demise, basically Mm -hmm. saying these shows are just being manufactured to sell things, they don't really have any true spirit, wasn't a big fan, and even though his, his blog post doesn't focus too closely on My Little Pony,
3: that was all it took. <laughs> the floodgates were open. The brony floodgates, the stable doors <laughs> were opened. <laughs> right, yeah. So all these guys start popping up on 4chan talking about uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. And by February 2011, there were 6,000 plus daily pony threads going on on 4chan's cartoon board to the point where... Like, a 4chan moderator was like, you're banned. No more pony posts. It even bled over into like animal boards where people were talking about real life furry ponies. Like, you couldn't say anything with pony in it.
2: Yeah, because not surprisingly, if, if you know anything about 4chan, 4chan is a very powerful entity a la Reddit on the internet, which also a la Reddit comes with a lot of trolling and what, like, more perfect internet trolling target Mm -hmm. could you put on your forehead than to say, hey, I'm a guy and I really enjoy My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. And I'm earnest about it and I'm not being ironic. Exactly. Have at me. So that was part of the reason why 4chan uh, for a little while said no more brony talk because there was so much infighting back and forth. Although infighting actually isn't the correct term to say because the bronies in response to the trolls Did not fight back because they wanted to embody Mm -hmm. the friendship element of the friendship is magic that is taught in My Little Pony, which is kind of incredible.
3: Yeah, a word that keeps coming up again and again when you read about this particular era in brownie history is acceptance. Everybody's preaching acceptance, like, okay, well, You know, obviously you're not into this. I'm into this. And if you're going to be angry about it, you know, that's your deal. I'm just going to keep enjoying my my happy, friendship, loyalty, driven, My Little Pony thing.
2: Yeah, and 4chan founder Christopher Poole was actually so impressed by the way that the bronies were so successfully resisting this trolling effort that he finally lifted the ban on the brony post. And there was one response from a brony uh, to this that was kind of funny. He said, My Little Pony is the only group to take on 4chan and win. 4chan once took over the FBI and won. So you might say that My Little Pony is more powerful than the FBI.
3: Yeah, well, which is incredible to think about. It's hilarious. Um, but so they they moved on from 4chan, building their own pony safe spaces online. They have Ponychan. They posted things on DeviantArt and YouTube. There's the website Equestria Daily. And lots of different, like, fanfic, um, pony art. There's also some, like, darker corners of that art and fanfic as well.
2: Erotic pony art. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. We'll again. get to that. Uh Yeah, this also harkens back to our episode a little while ago on fandom and shipping. Um, this is, bronies are a prime space for this. So the mm-hmm. reimaginings of different adventures for the ponies, different re- relationships the ponies might have. Uh, there's even music mashups that bronies will make. All sorts of things. And bronies have started congregating as well. In June 2011, the first BronyCon took place in New York. And about 100 people attended. But compare that to 2013 when BronyCon drew
3: 6,000 attendees. Yeah. I mean, talk about, talk about like, just separate from bronies even, but talk about how incredible, like, internet communities are. The fact that you can live your whole life. Or, you know, like, let's think back to the 70s, 80s, where you could have lived your whole life thinking you were the sole weirdo who liked something, but these message boards fueled by this whole like background of acceptance and friendship and loyalty, like all of these people are finding each other. And so now 6,000 plus people are going to this conference. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's a
2: similar kind of effect as we saw in the ASMR mm-hmm. podcast, totally different kind of thing, but the effect of people finding each other on the internet and this community growing from it of people saying, Oh, I thought I was the only one. No, you like it? Oh, he likes it. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. And just imagine at BronyCon though. These are I mean younger boys as well and some pegasus sisters, some mm-hmm. some girls, but up to, you know, grown men dressing up as their favorite My Little Pony. Right. Hanging out, playing games, just having a really good time. So the question is then who are these bronies? Like, who are they? Are they just, are they just weirdos? Are, are they outliers in society? I mean, it turns out, at least according to surveys of bronies, they're kind of just average guys.
3: Yeah. So the survey that took place in uh, August and September of 2012 had nearly 4,500 respondents and they found that the average age was nearly 20 years old. And they hailed from from far and wide. Um Most of them are from the U.S., but if you move in descending order, you've got people represented from the U.K., from Canada, Australia, Germany, Poland, Mexico, Sweden, Finland, and Brazil. This is not an American phenomenon. And when you look at gender, I mean, brony is the combination of bro or brother and pony. But the gender breakdown shows that it's 86 percent male. 12% female, 1% who identify as neither, and 1% unsure. Now, this next statistic
2: on sexual orientation is one that comes up in pretty much any article that you read about brony culture because there is this knee-jerk assumption that, okay, here's a guy who really likes pink stuff and ponies and, you know, a, a show that is for girls. Therefore, he must be gay, right? This must be a, just a, a, a you know group of, of gay guys mm-hmm. really enjoying ponies. Not exactly. Uh, 70% of bronies identify as straight, 16% as a bisexual, 4% as asexual, only 3% identify as gay, and 3% identify as pansexual. So, I mean, a bulk of... Again, kind of like the, the mom who pointed out in the, the letter that we read at the beginning of the podcast... This is a lot of straight tween boys mm-hmm. and adult guys who are loving them
3: some pony. Yeah. 52% of the respondents were in steady relationships, um with 46% of those saying that they're the sole brony in the relationship. 38% of those were actually in dual brony relationships. You wonder, like, do they just talk about it all the time? Like, if you get together with someone who also has such a specific, like, niche Interest, Like, I wonder if they just talk about bronies all the time.
2: Well, I mean, well, in terms of brony openness, they they did look into that. 41% say that they would proudly identify themselves as bronies, both online and offline, whereas 50% would only identify as brony online. Because, understandably, there's still a lot of confusion about... Well, what does this actually mean about who you are if you like this one particular thing? But then the question is, well, why are we sitting here trying to extrapolate so many meanings Mm -hmm. upon the appreciation of ponies?
3: Well, yeah, as far as why they identify as bronies and identify with the show, the survey respondents said that the most appealing aspects of the show were the characters, the humor, and the style and design of the animation. Um And so when they were talking about how they like to, I don't know, be bronies, act as bronies, what that entails, they responded that they browse fan art and watch fan videos, they read fan fiction, and they visit Equestria Daily.
2: Yeah, Equestria Daily is pretty much the go-to site for for bronies mm-hmm. all things brony. and it is i mean it, there is the daily aspect of equestria daily it's essentially the huffington post of <laughs> bronies um and when when you look at though like who especially among the older bronies like who who are these guys i mean you'll you'll meet bronies who have traditionally very masculine jobs like they're mechanics or they work on motorcycles there's one what's his name i forget his name but he's kind of known as the manliest brony he's, he's got a big old mustache yeah and he works on cars and motorcycles and there's even a squadron of pilots in training in the u.s air force at vance air force base in oklahoma who are now wearing my Little Pony, Friendship is Magic themed patches on their flight suits. Yeah, but instead of friendship is magic, it says flying is magic. Flying is magic. Because some of the ponies have flying powers. Uh but and, and there are other um there have been other articles too about bronies in the military. So mm-hmm. this is not just a thing for what we would consider more effeminate men as well. This is really challenging in a lot of ways our ideas of, well, What is masculine and feminine, and what is okay for boys and men to like?
3: Yeah, well, a lot of those guys are kind of asking themselves the same question. Wired talked to brony Luke Allen, who said, First, we can't believe this show is so good. Then we can't believe we've become fans for life. And then we can't believe we're walking down the pink aisle at Toys R Us or asking for the girls' toy in our Happy Meal. Then we can't believe our friends haven't seen it yet. Then we can't believe they're becoming bronies, too. And this guy also went on to talk about how he has Asperger's and
2: how the show has taught him so much just about getting along with people, the basic tenets of friendship and loyalty. And sort of helped him understand that in a way that he never had before, mm-hmm. which is pretty incredible. Um, there's also a documentary called Bronies, the Extremely Unexpected Adult Fans of My Little Pony. And they interviewed one kid named Alex Thickben. And he said, as soon as ponies came into my life, I was like, wow, I never want the day to end.
3: Yeah, and Alex's story, I mean... I, it's a, it's a terrible story of, of bullying and how, you know, he had My Little Pony decals on the back of his car and, and some guys like smashed the back of his car in and all this stuff and, you know, it comes from this really small town in, in North Carolina and Appalachia and like nobody understands it and, um, how he's been able to sort of connect with people like him, like minded guys who aren't all about hunting and, and you know, being like super traditionally masculine and how how that just lets him find other people that he can form a community, a really loyal community of friends with.
2: Yeah. um, In this same documentary, Bronies, and, and this also is not the only bro- brony documentary there is um, out there. This one is on Netflix, too, if you if you have it and want to watch it but it also follows this boy who is going to BronyCon for the first time mm-hmm. and his dad is really uncomfortable with the fact that his son likes my little pony um there's also i mean the way that it's termed when younger guys especially will inform their their parents that they are fans of the show it, it's almost like a coming out process yeah Um, and the dad's like super uncomfortable, but he ends up going to brony con with him and he talks to a a far more enthusiastic brony dad who kind of breaks it down for him. Like, listen, I know this kind of looks super weird that our sons are playing my little pony, but I'm just really happy to be sharing this experience with him. And this is our new way of bonding and it's pretty cool. And like, look, look how happy this is making our kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then
3: you know, Q <laughs> crying
2: fest. Cause that's just
3: well. There's sweet. there's clips of of all these guys like linking arms and singing, and you know they they talk to um, one young woman who I don't know uh, if she was a Pega sister or if she's in a band or something, but she was on stage singing, and she talks about how like you know nobody's here to judge other people. Everybody is here to like be friends, have fun. You know this is the most acceptance I've ever felt.
2: And we mentioned the manliest brony. Uh, it's this guy named Dusty Rhodes, and he was interviewed also by Wired Magazine about this. And getting his take as, as an older guy who is invested in this culture is really telling because he says, you're supposed to be the guy who is on TV. You're supposed to be the Marlboro man. You're supposed to be the guy from Die Hard. That's all well and good, but we got spoon-fed enough of that crud through the 80s and 90s that people are starting to believe that that's the way you had to be everybody's a person, everybody's a human being on this planet, and the sooner we figure that out, we might be a little better off. And then he goes on to talk about how that's why he loves My Little Pony so much because it sort of was the catalyst for helping him sort of embody those kinds of ideas, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. I mean, sort of like using a children's show to reevaluate what you
3: think about hegemonic masculinity is that's some heady stuff. That is heady stuff. And, I mean, it's, it's just the fact that it's such heady stuff and it, it seems so deep for what it is, which is like a two-dimensional children's show. Um, but the, the, the sudden and rapid rise of this older male fan base has a lot of people, like, especially in academia, kind of scratching their heads going like, okay, something's gotta be weird here. This, this can't be normal. Um, and two of those people who were just kind of trying to investigate what was going on are Dr. Patrick Edwards and Marsha Redden. Um Patrick Edwards' son, by the way, he he became interested in researching bronies and this whole topic because his son came out, so to speak, to him as a brony. And he's like, all right, let's figure out what's going on here. Is this like a, some sort of like pathological thing? Are they making up for other lacking aspects in their lives? And, um... They didn't really find anything that said, "Okay, these guys are weird. Yeah, they surveyed over
2: 20,000 self-identified bronies and they found some common hallmarks, such as uh, bronies being slightly more introverted, but more agreeable than non-bronies. They also tended to be more tolerant of others and bullied less often. And when it comes to bronies' home life, not surprisingly, they found that the happiest ones tended to come from open-minded homes with accepting more liberal parents. And they identified a lot of these guys as social bronies. And social bronies actually made up the largest subsection of all of the ones that they talked to. And they're the most open, extroverted. And uh, they compared them to the pony Pinkie Pie, who is, you know, kind of the
3: the party-loving pony. That's funny. So they have their little avatar. Um, They also found uh, another subsection of secret bronies. That makes up 28% of this group. And these guys typically come from more closed-minded homes. And uh, the researchers said these guys were the brony equivalent of the withdrawn patients they had seen in therapy for years. So these guys are less likely to have the dad who was open and willing to go to the conference, learn what it's all about, just make sure his son is happy and there's some interesting theories swirling around this, this rise, this lack of irony, this, this genuine acceptance of happiness and, you know, loyalty that's going on with this whole movement. And so there's a theory that this is like post-9-11 escapism, that, that we had, our, our generation had this terrible, horrific event that kind of bisected our young lives. And so this is now a return to something more innocent. We're, we're trying to get away from this planet that's so concerned with terrorism and, and war and, and focus on sparkly shiny ponies. But there's also this idea that a lot of people are talking about called new sincerity. And it's not that this is like a new movement or something, but it's kind of just like a pop culture trend away from all of that irony that kind of all of our social media is dripping with these days the hipster irony mm-hmm.
2: yeah and pretty much any article that you'd read about new sincerity bronies are upheld as the exemplars of it because they truly love this cartoon for exactly what it is and are unabashed in their fandom yeah um but there is also a researcher Venetia laura delano robertson who thinks that it might also have to do with the anthropomorphic element of My Little Pony. Mm -hmm. And she graciously sent us the full text of her recent study called Of Ponies and Men, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and the Brony Fandom. And she thinks that it has to, this connection that bronies have and the learning about friendship and loyalty that they're deriving from it It has to do with the fact that these are cartoon animals
3: that act as people. Yeah, she's talking about all this anthropomorphism and says, uh, the canny combination of My Little Pony's subcultural qualities and the value of non-human but human-like role models or avatars speaks intimately to a group of individuals typically bound up in anonymous internet networks.
2: Yeah, and so all of that to say that Maybe the anthropomorphism on screen sort of creates enough distance from the human experience that is maybe more fraught in these post 9-11 days with uh, fear or anxiety. It creates enough distance from that to kind of build a relationship with these viewers. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fact that people are forming relationships with animated characters, you know, animals that can talk and run around and have similar almost human like lives is nothing strange at all. Disney exists. Hello. Um, but there's also, too, the element of hyper-cuteness in My My Little Pony that also seems to appeal to bronies. Um, there, there's this Japanese concept of kawaii. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is sort of that hyper-cuteness. And if you look at My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, it is drenched in kawaii. And, and there's this guy, Brian McVeigh, who back... In the mid 90s, talking about this appeal of hyper cuteness and cartooniness argues that these kinds of super cute mascots, in a way, embody the essential qualities of cuteness and by invoking affection are able to exert authority. So, in other words, they're teaching guys like Luke Allen, who is high on the Asperger scale, what friendship and loyalty really means in action.
3: Yeah, and we're going to talk way more about a whole lot of interesting aspects of brownie culture when we come right back from a quick break.
0: This episode is brought to you by China. The China brand provides premium disposable tableware to celebrate moments of togetherness.
1: Yes, and right now that is more important than ever especially when we're all apart. So recently, I had a group and we had a, a socially distanced barbecue where the host drew out circles and chalk that were nice. six feet apart. And everyone showed up with their own chairs and beverages. And it was really convenient to have disposable products. And we we just had a, a lovely conversation. Um, it was really fun. Yeah.
0: And I'm with the disposable products. I know that the Chinet brand provides durable and trusted products, which I have used before, that let you enjoy every moment of the get-togethers in traditional or now not.
1: And there are classic white products that can work for any gathering or cut crystal plates and cups when you want to make something a little extra special. Disposable tableware keeps things simple and cleanup easy. Chynette products are available wherever you buy groceries, including delivery or pickup. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at CatanShop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code MOM at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. And now back to the show. Okay, so
3: Kristen was just discussing the concept, the Japanese concept of kawaii. Basically things that are just like dripping with cuteness. They often have like big eyes and they're maybe little animal ears and stuff. And how this concept really plays into what we're talking about now, which is My Little Pony and Bronies. And there's something great about the fact that these ponies can kind of serve as avatars for for a lot of guys who maybe don't have great in-person like life connections and they can form these connections online through My Little Pony but there's also something a little weird and that's worth bringing up and that's just the the fact that you know these these ponies are Super vulnerable and, but also harmless. They're dependent, very feminine, very gentle. So very non threatening.
2: Yeah, uh, Fluttershy, for instance, is a brony favorite among the main six ponies. And Fluttershy embodies kindness, but as her name implies, she's also very shy, very unsure of herself. She's too scared to fly. And this raises some red flags among some people kind of looking from the outside in at the brony culture thinking, well, why is this particular pony mm-hmm. so appealing? Like, why, why is it the shy, submissive one? There's, there's kind of a protective white hat element to brony fandom as yeah. well of loving these ponies so much, not just because of the lessons they might teach but also because they feel protective of Fluttershy and the other ponies. Yeah,
3: so I, th- I think it's interesting that this whole arena, this whole brony arena, is on the one hand so anti-gender norms. It's guys feeling like they can be more open with their emotions and, and love their friends and be open with their love for their friends and for this cartoon. But on the other hand um these very sort of like cute harmless gentle feminine creatures these ponies also sort of bring out like Kristen said that that protective very stereotypically male uh behavior aspect feelings and this the thing is though this isn't uh, it's a good thing that
2: this isn't the typical line of conversation when it comes to bronies i think there's a lot of uh there are a lot of people who have rude things to say, but there's also a lot of embrace of it for the fact that it is sort of transgressing those gender norms because that whole appeal of the cute and hyper-feminine in animation, especially if we're talking about, you know, the Japanese concept of kawaii, is not, it's not solely a product of bronies. Mm-hmm. I mean, attraction to... Hyper-feminine, oh, sure. cute, animated girls, for instance, is super common in anime culture, too.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so speaking of that Venetia Laura Delano Robertson study that we were talking about before the break, um, she does acknowledge in her study that, yes, there is a level of attraction to the ponies among a certain subset of bronies. Yeah,
2: this is, this is by far not all br- bronies, but we would be remiss not to acknowledge the fact that in that 2012 bronies study, 22% of respondents said yes to the question of are you sexually attracted to the Friendship is Magic stylized ponies. Now 62% also said no, absolutely not. I just love the ponies for the ponies. But yeah, there is there is some sexualization that goes on. There's something called Klopfic, which is the erotic uh, My Little Pony fan fiction. There's also if you start digging into go on DeviantArt and start looking at My Little Pony fan art, it does get sexual at, at certain points. So, so there's that, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a name for it that I that is slipping my mind right now, but essentially there's a rule on the internet that if something exists, there's also porn of it. Like p- everything is pornified at this point on the internet.
3: Yeah. I I don't yeah, exactly.
2: But Robertson also argues that maybe one reason why the <laughs> the, the more erotic side of brody the brody subculture is swept under the rug a little bit that we don't talk about it as much, or at least it doesn't raise perhaps as many red flags, is because, again, due to the the anthropomorphism, they're not doing this. If this was a group of little girls, that you know, animated be. characters, then people would probably not be so pumped about BronyCon. But the fact that it's horses, they're animals,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not as big of a
3: deal if we put them in sexual situations and... Fan art, Right. And a lot of guys are saying, like, I don't even like real horses.
2: Yeah, that it- <laughs> was that was one funny thing. Overwhelmingly, bronies don't want anything to do with horses in real life.
3: Yeah. One guy brought up the same thing that I think the oatmeal has a cartoon <laughs> regarding this exact same thing, saying that basically to paraphrase like horses poop a lot and they're gross and you've got to scoop the poop all the time. And so I'm not interested in real life horses and their poop at all. Well, and they're just massive, powerful creatures yeah as opposed to these little flying fairy horse creatures so again while we don't want to give the impression that all
2: bronies are only interested in my little pony because they are either consciously or subconsciously attracted to these ponies nonetheless we do want to acknowledge that there there is this what there's a corner of this culture that exists but i think that you would find something like that in any kind of fan culture i mean yeah. if you going back to the shipping episode again Pretty much all shipping eventually, no matter what you're talking about, whether you're, you know, looking at the X-Files or Twilight or My Little Pony, whatever it might be, it'll trail off at some point into erotic fic.
3: Yeah. Um, But you know what? You know who's really loving it is Hasbro. Oh, yeah. Because if you look, one of the sites we were looking at had a graph showing Hasbro sales of their merch. And, I mean... Not that the the chart itself or even Hasbro itself can really tell us for sure that bronies are propping up their their industry, their sales, but I mean it's it's Hasbro sales and My Little Pony sales have steadily increased.
2: Oh yeah. Well and it's interesting too to see how Hasbro is also not just now selling to little girls, the the sisters watching the show, but specifically to Bronies, because they're selling things like trading cards, comic books, USB drives in addition to more typical products like plush toys and dolls, like they're, they're clearly trying to reach an audience. Um, and I mean, just the fact too, that it's become, I don't think that I didn't have a, find a concrete number of how many bronies there are, but I mean, we're not talking about millions of guys. It's mm-hmm. still a pretty relatively small group of men, but the fact that they're getting articles in wired and Grantland and have a convention that, makes national news, you know, that Stephen Colbert mentions them on the Colbert mm-hmm. Report, that Bob's Burgers has a, a brony spinoff show, or episode, I should say. I mean, it's kind of incredible that such a, you know, relatively small group of people has generated this much conversation. So, of course, Hasbro
3: is... Riding the riding the wave. <laughs> yeah, riding the saddle. That's right. But... I mean, it makes sense that there's so much attention paid, even though this is a really small subset of young men in our country and, and many other countries. I mean, it makes sense that that people are like wired or digging into it because you just don't see big groups of of guys who are really earnest in their love and affection for something that is so typically geared towards girls that's so unusual it's okay for girls to to play with transformers to play with their brothers gi joe dolls but it's it's not okay like we've said a million times in different podcast episodes you know it's it's not as okay for guys to like girl things and so everybody's looking at this going like are we on some precipice all of a sudden that we didn't realize right i mean because just in in my own child
2: play i totally played with my brothers gi joes all the time No big deal. I have a feeling if my brother started playing with my sisters, my little ponies, my parents would probably have raised an eyebrow. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not as much fluidity for for boys. So so it is cool to see that this kind of stuff is happening, particularly for the younger boys. But that's not to say, though, that when they are out not hanging among their brony pals, that. Everybody is pro Brony. Yeah, like we mentioned, this entire conversation was instigated by news of Grayson Bruce, a nine-year-old who was bullied at school for bringing, you know, the My Little Pony lunchbox. Mm-hmm. To which the school, oh, shaking my fist, just told him to leave the lunchbox at home, which is not the answer no. at all. Maybe, maybe broaden your mind. Maybe tell the bullies that, hey, this is. Y- you're you're lame. I'd make a great principle. <laughs> but a far more heartbreaking example, though, of brony bullying is the case of 11 year old Michael Morones, who attempted to hang himself as a result of relentless brony bullying. And also as an example of how this brony community really supports their own and really does try to live out the friendship is magic motto. The uh, bronies have set up a recovery fund for him. Same thing with Grace and Bruce as well. They started a whole stand with Grace and hashtag that trended on the Internet and got a lot of attention, mm-hmm. you know, to his case. Um, so the Bronies definitely look out for their own. But it's unfortunate to see still, especially for the younger guys, that they do still face bullying for wanting to play with My Little Pony instead of G.I. Joe.
3: Yeah. And I mean, and who's to say that even it's an either or thing like, you know, like I played, you know, I played with all sorts of different toys as a kid because I was an only child. My parents didn't really care. I, I had a million Barbies and a million My Little Ponies, but I also had monster trucks, you yeah. know, like so I, I, I hope we can get to a point. All of us together in general can get to a point where it is OK for boys to play with whatever girls are playing with, and it not be a big deal. But, you know, we've just got to, I don't know, we've just got to work on, it's a whole cultural thing. I mean, these trolls aren't just going to disappear overnight. Right. I mean,
2: but it is, it does say something, though, that we are talking so much about, you know, again, a relatively small group of men who are, whether intentionally or not, challenging what we consider to be acceptable masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's only for the better of all of us. Because if girls are granted, you know, more fluidity in the sense of, like, you know, we're, we're told that you can be anything and you can play with anything and you can wear skirts or pants, boys, a lot, boys will enjoy that same amount of, of social fluidity. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's time that, that that changes.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: One
2: brony at a time. This
1: episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash momstuff. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash momstuff. Talk to a therapist online and get help. This episode is brought to you by Quip.
0: When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more.
1: The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, So you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards.
0: Already have a Quip? Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. eco friendly solar battery charger to power your Quip with sunshine, and the refresh bike to bring you good oral care habits everywhere you go.
1: Plus, you can get brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5. And shipping is free. How smart is that? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today
0: and go to getquip.com slash stuffmom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuffmom. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stuffmom. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding.
2: So I hope that there are some bronies listening or moms of bronies, dads of bronies. We want to hear from you on this or just fans of My Little Pony. Any Pegasisters? We want to hear from you as well. com is where you can email us. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast or send us a Facebook message as well. And we have a couple of messages to share with you
3: right now. <laughs> Alright, well I have a letter here from a lady listener who wishes to remain anonymous because she is writing in about our women and weed episode. Um, she said, I was especially interested in the women and weed episode because I am a woman and I love weed. I have a college degree and an office job and whenever people find out I smoke weed they're always shocked. I do not look like your typical stoner. I'm sometimes left out of joint passing circles because new people assume I don't smoke. I find it helps me let go of work stress and it helps me sleep and enjoy music, food, books, and the outdoors even more than usual. Thanks for your awesome podcast and for promising not to rat anybody out if they wrote to you on this topic.
2: Well, I also have a letter about our marijuana episode. This is from a woman named JM and she writes in talking about how she started smoking pot in high school and then kind of stopped for a while and says after college, I started smoking again to treat my migraines, which also led to smoking for recreation, but also for stress relief. I'd become a manager in my profession by the time I was 26. I was working long hours, and I loved coming home after work and taking a few bong hits. Ten years later, I have two children and ran a very successful business, all while smoking blunts after work. I do occasionally smoke in the afternoons when I'm home with my children because it does help me relax and enjoy some of the boring or tough things about parenting. I just wanted your listeners to know, especially the ones who are skeptical of legalizing, that many people are productive members of society and smoke weed. Unfortunately, being that it is not legal, I really don't share my experience often because I'm afraid that it would negatively affect my business or impact my children. Thanks so much for your podcast. It's an important topic that needs to be discussed. So, th- Also, her, uh, her subject line was Marijuana Mommy. So thank you, Marijuana Mommy, and everyone else who has... Written into us, momstuff at discovery.com is where you can email us. And to find all of our podcasts, blogs, and videos, there's one place to go, and it's stuffmomnevertoldyou.com never told For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
0: Hi, I'm Amy Nelson,
1: and I'm Sam Eddis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy.
2: We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry
3: titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete.
1: We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What if I told you that UFOs, haunted houses, and even inexplicable magic tricks are all caused by the same creature? And what if I told you these powerful and ancient beings are meant to be feared? The Hidden Djinn, a new podcast from iHeartRadio and Aaron Mankey's Grim and Mild explores the legends of these ancient and terrifying creatures. Join me, Rabia Chaudhary, as we step into the world of The Hidden jinn. Listen to The Hidden jinn on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.